0: Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this.
1: We're thrilled to announce that the North Valley Nut Conference is taking place on January 31st at Silver Dollar Fairgrounds in Chico, California. This event is held in conjunction with University of California Cooperative Extension. It's a golden opportunity for professionals in the tree nut industry. Network with our exhibitors and sponsors who are committed to your success in The Orchard. Earn valuable continuing education units and expand your knowledge on the latest industry trends. Listen to our expert speakers, share valuable insights and practical advice, but attendance is filling up fast, so make sure you visit myaglife.com backslash events and register today. We hope to see you there.
0: This segment was sponsored by Polymer Ag, makers of Anti-Stress 550, climate stress solution. Find out more at PolymerAg.com. California Department of Food and Agriculture Secretary Karen Ross and Doug McCallop, Chief Agricultural Negotiator in the Office of the United States Trade Representative, had an opportunity to meet with participants at this year's annual Almond Conference that took place recently in Sacramento at the Safe Credit Union Convention Center. The event was significant for California's almond growers, researchers, and industry professionals as they looked to exchange knowledge and seek information about new technology. Secretary Ross says that they had a chance to see some of the impressive innovations improve almond production and efficiencies. She says she's proud of the Almond Board's aim to help educate growers on a range of subjects and to help growers and handlers in their operations. Shannon Douglas, a diversified farmer in Glen County, has been elected to a two-year term as president of the California Farm Bureau. Douglas, who previously served three-year terms as first vice president, is the first woman to head the organization, which was found in 1919. This is an exciting moment. Farm Bureau has provided her with tremendous opportunities as a first-generation farmer. She's excited to be a part of the leadership of this organization, which represents a diversity of farmers and ranchers in the state, according to Douglas. The She succeeds Jamie Johansson, who served three terms as president beginning in 2017. Douglas was elected at the Farm Bureau's 105th annual meeting held in Reno, Nevada recently. Sean Cook, vice president of a family timber business and a real estate agent specializing in ranch commercial and residential properties, was elected as the Farm Bureau's first vice president. Cook has served three terms as the organization's second vice president. Ron Peterson, a member of the California Farm Bureau Board of Directors and past president of the Janislaus County Farm Bureau was elected as second vice president. He is a cattle rancher and dairy farmer who also grows silage crops and almonds. The California Farm Bureau works to protect family farms and ranches on behalf of the 29,000 members statewide. The California Farm Bureau consists of nearly 29,000 members statewide and is part of a nationwide network of 5.3 million Farm Bureau members. The 2023 frost season is underway for San Joaquin Valley citrus growers. That means growers will be closely monitoring weather forecasts to prepare for any cold spells that may sweep through the valley in the coming months. While cold temperatures benefit the crop, maintaining fruit quality, improving color and sending trees into dormancy, long periods of below freezing temperatures are of concern to growers. Cold temperatures are not a bad thing for citrus. They can have positive effects on the fruit and trees, according to California Citrus Mutual President and CEO Casey Creamer. He says when below freezing temperatures last for long periods that they get concerned that there could be damage to the crop. Below freezing temperatures lasting more than a few hours can impact all citrus varieties. However, mandarins are often at the greatest risk due to their thin peel. To combat below freezing temperatures, citrus growers run wind machines and irrigation. These techniques help to raise grove temperatures and alleviate any negative effects of long cold periods. California Citrus Mutual aids growers during the frost season by running the Weather Watch program. Through this program, CCM employs weather stations throughout the region and provides growers with daily citrus-specific forecasts. The program runs from November 15th through March 15th each year. The Bureau of Land Management Central Coast Field Office has lifted its seasonal fire restrictions for approximately 300,000 acres of public land due to reduced wildland fire potential. The easing of seasonal fire restrictions applies to public lands in Alameda, Contra Costa, Fresno, Merced, Monterey, San Joaquin, San Mateo, Santa Clara, Santa Cruz, and Stanislaus counties. Recreational target shooting and campfires will once again be allowed on public lands with a valid campfire permit unless otherwise posted. The rescinded order can be viewed on the BLM website. Blue Diamond Growers, headquartered in Sacramento, are one of the globe's largest almond cooperatives, and they disclosed a significant 21% reduction in net sales for the fiscal year 2022 to 2023, plummeting to $1.3 billion from the previous year's $1.6 billion. The cooperative's president and CEO, Kai Bachman, attributed this downturn to a confluence of challenges encompassing an oversupply of almonds, inflationary pressures, subdued market prices, and transformative shifts in consumer shopping behavior, both a membership of over 3,000 farmers, Blue Diamond processes almonds at multiple facilities, including sites in Sacramento, Salida, and Turlock. In tandem with Blue Diamond's struggles, a report commissioned by the Almond Board of California revealed a 5% contraction in the state's almond-growing acreage during 2023, marking the second consecutive annual decline. Rockman acknowledged the lingering impact of the record 3.1 billion pounds of almonds produced during the 2020 to 2021 growing season, resulting in an ongoing surplus that continues to outstrip demand. Despite a return to a more typical crop size of 2.88 billion pounds in the latest season, the market imbalance persists, prompting a reduction in grower payments from $2 to $1.50 a pound of almonds. Dean Lavallee, Blue Diamond's chief financial officer and chief operating officer, emphasized the core predicament That the world is currently grappling with an excess of almonds, the cooperative faced challenge ending in August with an 800 million pound unused inventory, casting a shadow over grower profitability. In response to the market dynamics, Blue Diamond is strategically positioning itself to enhance sales by venturing into new product offerings. Notable among those introductions are chocolate-covered almonds with reduced sugar. Additionally, the cooperative struck a deal with Starbucks in China, supplying almond breeze milk to the coffee giant's outlets in the country. Bachman stressed the necessity for a revamped operational strategy to navigate the evolving market landscape – While acknowledging the continued significance of traditional almond products, Blue Diamond is determined to create demand for a more diversified product portfolio, according to the company. The cooperative is targeting various sectors, including restaurants, school cafeterias, and food operations at military bases with innovative almond-based recipes. This strategic initiative aims to broaden the cooperative's product range beyond conventional offerings and stimulate market demand. The challenges faced by Blue Diamond underscore the intricacies of the almond market with oversupply changing consumer preferences, and global market dynamics, influencing the cooperative's operations. Navigating these complexities requires a multifaceted approach that includes diversifying products, exploring new markets, and fostering innovation with the almond industry. The USDA's Economic Research Service has reported that the fresh market orange crop for the United States rose 2% in 2022 to 2023 compared to the prior year to 1.44 million tons. The increase was due to larger naval orange and early mid-season crops in California and Texas. With the increased supply, grower prices for fresh oranges were lower than the prior season. The average equivalent on-tree price for a box of fresh oranges decreased approximately 21% from 25.91 in 2021 to 2022 to 2052 in 2022 to 2023. Dominic Russo, Vice President of Sales for Summit Produce Incorporated, notes that eastern cold storage supply is increasing while importers are starting to hold red grapes as they expect arrivals to be down in the upcoming weeks. Right now, arrivals are 2 to 1 green to red. Market conditions because of the California green crop are 3 to 1 green to red, he says. There are a few factors behind this, including the recent cold storage western report indicating that California still has 3 million boxes of grapes compared to last year's 6 million boxes at this time. Of that, 40% of the remaining grapes in California are green. Marketers were not anticipating this after Hurricane Hillary and the rains, he says, adding that the price per pound played a big part in this and in turn, that influenced movement. However, red grapes were more impacted by those rains and the hurricane.
2: We're waking up to a new dawn in agriculture. A better way, where farmers stop working the soil and start working with it. At Huma, Huma. Our carbon-rich, humate-based products improve soil health and fertility, deliver nutrients more efficiently, and reduce crop input costs. Welcome to Humix Solutions with a human touch. Visit huma.us to learn more. The compensation will be fixed based on the mitigation selected and the acreage that's been approved for that site location. All commercial citrus growers in California are invited to apply, both organic and conventional growers. And so we're just we're looking to have as many different growers with different varieties, different age uh, groves and trees in as many different locations as possible because we really want to test these mitigations in all the different growing regions of California.
3: California Citrus Research Board's Ariana Gehrig discussing the CA Craft Program for Citrus Growers, a grower-based project implemented last year looking to demonstrate the effects of additional mitigations on Asian citrus psyllid control within commercial citrus groves across the various citrus growing regions in California. We're sharing this segment again as Citrus Research Board recently announced that in the coming months, the CA Crafts Program will be looking to add an additional cohort of growers. All California commercial citrus producers are welcome to join.
2: The program will measure psyllid levels within treated groves as a year-by-year measurement and relative to the regional psyllid levels. Fillets will also be monitored by both field technicians conducting tap counts and visual monitoring on trees and new flush growth, and also by traps being installed at all project groves. Additionally, uh, canines trained to detect ACP will also be used to scout in project groves on a limited basis.
3: Producers can choose from one or more mitigations provided, including preventative mitigations, which are barrier mesh fencing, living windbreaks, and trap crops, as well as threshold-based mitigations like biological control agent releases and pesticide treatments like border sprays, psyllid repellents, and ant control.
2: The additional mitigations are expected to help reduce silid populations and inform growers of best practices. And there are two main types of mitigations included in this program. One is preventative mitigations, and the second is threshold based mitigations. So, preventative mitigations are permanent barriers to exclude psyllids from entering growth. And examples of that would be barrier mesh fencing, living windbreaks, and trap crops and we are supporting both um, the installation of a new windbreak or maintenance of existing windbreaks that might already be established. And then for threshold-based mitigations, those are treatments for psyllids that will be scheduled as psyllid levels rise above certain levels. These treatments will include additional border treatments, psyllid repellents like kaolin clay, ant control, and biocontrol releases which is the release of natural enemies or predators. And those treatments will occur on an ongoing basis. It will be based on like the scouting results and trap counts and things like that. We will have field technicians that will be uh, monitoring the psyllid levels either on a monthly or a bi-monthly basis. So they will be going out to those groves and doing the tap and visual monitoring. Uh, especially during times of new flush, they will be inspecting those trees. um, Like I said, depending on the time of year, either monthly or bi-monthly. And so interacting with those growers in those cases. And we will be following up with growers uh, throughout the program, you know letting, know, letting them know what we're finding out in their groves so that they can treat accordingly.
3: Priority will be given to California citrus groves with ongoing psyllid pressures and or in proximity to major psyllid risk factors like transportation corridors and residential areas, and compensation will be provided based on the mitigations adopted by growers.
2: Growers will receive compensation to offset the treatment costs, With additional support for data collection the compensation will be fixed based on the mitigation selected and the acreage that's been approved for that site location all commercial citrus growers in california are invited to apply both organic and conventional growers and so we're just we're looking to have as many different growers with different varieties different age uh, groves and trees in as many different locations as possible because we really wanna test these mitigations in all the different growing regions of California. And in addition to that, uh, priority will be given to growers with ongoing psyllid pressures or in proximity to major psyllid risk factors. And some of those risk factors are things like transportation corridors or residential areas. Um, things like that, maybe packing houses, and so that they're trying to exclude solids from coming into their grove.
3: Garrig said it was a goal for the Citrus Research Board when creating the CA Craft Program for it to be applicable not only to conventional growers, but also to organic growers.
2: Citrus Research Board, you know, we uh, support all the growers in the citrus industry in California, and so, um, you know, we want to test this out in as many locations as possible and see what works and hopefully you know and, and help growers see you know best practices and what works in, in their particular situation. And so there's all these all they all have different situations. And so that's why we are collecting information from them upfront on what their um, their historical filled pressure and what's going on in their growth. Um, so we can understand that and then hopefully um help them implement the best treatments for their situation.
3: You're listening to My Ag Life, I'm Taylor Charlstrom.
1: We know it's been tough managing inputs and resources lately. That's why we're inviting you to the Inputs Ag Summit on January 10th in Fresno, California. This event is a lifeline for specialty crop growers, PCAs, CCAs, and applicators alike. It's your opportunity to get help in today's challenging landscape. What will you find at the Input Ag Summit? cost-saving seminars, networking with experts, special panel discussions, and solutions for hard times. Visit myaglife.com backslash events today to sign up for this new and exciting conference.
0: In January, the U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistics Service will contact beekeepers nationwide during the bee and honey production disposition and income inquiry to gather information on colony numbers, honey production, stocks, and sales. The information helps evaluate conditions from year to year and promote programs designed to ensure the viability of beekeepers and agricultural pollination services. NASA will publish the survey results in the annual honey report on March 15th of 2024. According to the International Fertilizer Association, consumption of fertilizers worldwide is expected to recover by 4% in 2023 to 192.5 million metric tons. A record level of 200.2 million metric tons of fertilizer was used in 2020. Worldwide phosphorus fertilizer consumption is predicted to increase by 5% in 2023 to be at 46 million metric tons. IFA is forecasting all three nutrients, nitrogen, fertilizer, and potash, to return to or exceed their 2019 levels, but remain below the record 2020 levels. World nutrient supplies have increased in recent years. IFA said phosphoric acid production is estimated to have increased 2% to 84.8 million metric tons in 2023 after a challenging 2021, in which fertilizer prices increased dramatically. Fertilizer consumption in recent years fell globally because of affordability issues, with the high price in nutrients. Rabobank estimates that 2023 was a much calmer year than 2022, with global fertilizer use at a 3% increase in 2023 after a 7% decline in 2022. The outlook for 2024 suggests an increase of close to 5% for total fertilizer consumption, according to Rabobank. According to the International Fertilizer Association, consumption of fertilizers worldwide is expected to recover by 4% in 2023 to 192.5 million metric tons. A record level of 200.2 million metric tons of fertilizer was used in 2020. Worldwide phosphorus fertilizer consumption is predicted to increase by 5% in 2023 to be at 46 million metric tons. IFA is forecasting all three nutrients, nitrogen, fertilizer, and potash, to return to or exceed their 2019 levels, but remain below the record 2020 levels. World nutrient supplies have increased in recent years. IFA said phosphoric acid production is estimated to have increased 2% to 84.8 million metric tons in 2023 after a challenging 2021, in which fertilizer prices increased dramatically. Fertilizer consumption in recent years fell globally because of affordability issues with with the high price in nutrients. bank estimates that 2023 was a much calmer year than 2022, with global fertilizer use at a 3% increase in 2023 after a 7% decline in 2022. The outlook for 2024 suggests an increase of close to 5% for total fertilizer consumption, according to Rabobank. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has launched an online application for direct loan customers. More than 26,000 customers who submit a direct loan application each year can now use an online interactive guided application that is paperless. The online application also provides helpful features, including an electronic signature option, the ability to attach supporting documents such as tax returns, complete a balance sheet, and build a farm operating plan. The tool is part of a broader effort by USDA's Farm Service Agency to streamline its processes, improve customer service, and expand credit access. FSA's loan assistance tool can be accessed at farmers.gov front slash loan dash assistance dash tool. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has announced updates to the Federal Crop Insurance Program. Recently, USA's Risk Management Agency updated the Good Farming Practices Handbook as part of the agency's broader efforts to support conservation and climate-smart activities, as well as to improve crop insurance for agricultural producers. Army Administrator Marsha Bunger says this update affirms producers can have peace of mind that using conservation practices will not impact their crop insurance. The updated handbook recognizes all conservation practices offer by USA's Natural Resources Conservation Service as good farming practices for crop insurance. Essentially, appropriate use of NRCS conservation practices will have no impact on crop insurance coverage, which affirms how the rules have worked on the ground for years. The updated handbook builds on similar efforts, including RMA's designation of planting cover crops as a good farming practice in 2019. And USA's monthly dairy products report released this week shows total cheese output excluding cottage cheese was 1.19 billion pounds in October. That figure is 0.8% above October of 2022 and 3.9% above September of 2023. Italian type cheese production totaled 506 million pounds, 1.4% above October of 2022 and 5.6% above September of 2023. American type cheese production totaled 474 million pounds, 0.3% below October 2022, but 2.5% above September 2023. Butter production was 161 million pounds, 0.9% below October of 2022, but 12.5% above September of 2023. Non-fat dry milk for human consumption came in at 127 million pounds, down 1.2%. As for skim milk powder production, it was 42.5 million pounds, down 34.9% from the same time last year. Dry whey total production was 75.6 million pounds, pounds up 0.4% compared to October of 2022. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast not Magazine on the, every one of my customers' tables so that tells you everything that's that it's there so they're reading our my ag life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go our live events continuing education webinars and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders let jcs marketing help you connect that will wrap up today's show you've been listening to the my ag life daily news report I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening.